The following is presented by Oxford Recovery Centers, where healing begins on News Talk 760 WJR. Here's your host, Marie Osborne. Where the healing begins from the Oxford Recovery Center. Welcome in. I'm Marie Osborne, and as always, our special guest is Dr. Tammy Peterson. Dr. Tammy, I hear you have some exciting news to share about children with autism who might not be quite ready for traditional school. I do indeed, Maria. We are so excited to bring back our ABA Academy. Um, This year, we'll be able to offer the ABA Academy not only at our Brighton location, but also at our Troy location. And ABA, of course, is Applied Behavioral Analysis. And if you don't know what that is, make sure you stay with us this hour because Dr. Tammy is an expert in this area. And she, along with Casey Diskin, will be here to talk more about this program. It's where the healing begins at the Oxford Recovery Center, OxfordRecoveryCenter.com. And if you'd like to call for an appointment, it's 248-486-3636. But nonetheless, stay with us. Dr. Tammy's got a lot of information she'd like to share with you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Where Healing Begins on WJR, presented by Oxford Recovery Centers. Once again, Marie Osborne. Welcome back. I'm with Dr. Tammy Peterson and Casey Diskin to talk about the Oxford Recovery Center's ABA Academy, ABA Applied Behavioral Analysis. Dr. Peterson, let's start right with that. What is ABA Academy? Well, it's actually a dream and a vision that came out of some frustration from Casey and I. I have a background of 27 years as a special education teacher, and I was really frustrated that the kiddos were not ready to learn due to their behaviors impeding them from learning. And while we're all concerned with the academics, of course, we want our children to get the most out of school they can in keeping up with the other kids. The truth is they weren't always able to because their behaviors were stopping them from learning. Um, Casey, what are some of the behaviors you see that are stopping these kids from being able to do their best in school? Absolutely, Dr. Tammy. So what we're seeing is that our kids, our children with autism, are able to keep up many times uh, cognitively or academically. It's really those foundational academic skills that are the reasons for um, for the trouble that they're having in learning. So those things are like transitions uh, between one activity to another, very often an activity that they like going to an activity that they don't like as well, right? Or trying new things. So, you know, you or I, every day we receive things that are new or um, or hard for us. And those things seem to be um, a deterrent in the classroom and tough for these kids to continue on through their day without the support 
but they need what ABA Academy will do. We'll teach those skills. So persevering through tough tasks, um, you know, following multi-step instruction, um, what proximity, so how close they should be to their, their peers at things like lunch or how close their teacher would need to be to, for them to continue on, um, how to ask appropriate questions and not just on topics that they might perseverate on. Um, and most importantly, how to deal with that frustration or those new things that they see each day. So as a teacher, I saw the kids first often, they would be mainstreamed for art, music, gym, lunch. What was sad is the places these kids were the most unsuccessful, art, music, gym, and lunch. They couldn't handle the sounds in the gym, the textures and smell in art and music. They didn't understand how to work with the other kids or share the, the musical instruments. And lunch was an absolute disaster. Uh, there's so many sounds. There's don't know how to not grab the other lunches, how to communicate with the kids. And so within our ABA Academy, we wanted to give them a place to learn how to handle those environments and actually enjoy it, which is really fun. It's research-based too. I mean, we, we know from the, from the research that's out there that the more time the children with autism spend with their normative peers, the more successful they are, the longer that they stay in school, the better grades that they get. Um, the more satisfied they feel in school, which is super important. Um, so we want to continue to support them so that they can get in that art, music, and gym and be successful. And often within the academics in the classroom, the children were so dependent on their parapro that they wouldn't listen to me as a teacher. I would give them the instructions and then they would turn to their parapro and ask them what they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help the child learn to grow as they need to actually start listening to a teacher, not just their one-on-one. -on -one. So as they go into high school or as they go into the workplace, they can become more independent and learn to focus on the person giving the instructions. Mm -hmm. So we've also um, changed our program. So the one-on-one -on -one with them, the behavior therapist, which they still have because it's still ABA, is not the one that they're learning to turn to for um, instructions. So our program, we took both of our frustrations and created a really cool um, academy that's ABA in a school simulated um, setting. So this was very similar to what I saw while, being, while in Australia. Uh, ABA or Applied Behavior Analysis is within the classroom. So those therapists attend school with their client. Um, that is not the case here. Um, due to funding, a lot of ABA cannot exist. Almost all of ABA cannot exist in a traditional school. So we are very cognizant of if a child is going to school for six to eight hours a day, we have to, as therapists, um, be a part of what is going on there. Um, we can't have that large chunk of the day be unknown and then, then have our BCBAs responsible for how to work or how to um, help them with behavioral concerns. Um, therefore, we created our own environment that sets the stage. I mean, it's it's still ABA, and in fact, the goals don't change. ABA just refers to the style and the way in which something is being taught. So all we're doing here with ABA Academy, we've set the stage for a traditional learning environment to target these skills where their therapists are there to help them through it. So there is a certified teacher there. Um, it looks kind of like a school setting, mm -hmm. um, although a lot more adults because every child has their behavior therapist with them. 
our goal is to take a child and give them over to the traditional public school setting with the success to go in without the need maybe of a one-on-one or to start fresh with great social and more naturally interaction with their peers. Mm -hmm. So when when they're able to go to school, they're really able to have the skills to be successful instead of feeling that failure that often our kids are feeling within a traditional school setting. Or feeling that we need to rely on the public school system uh, to, to provide what that child would need to be in that mainstream environment, uh, placement is very important. Um, their, their research about going into self-contained classrooms and then coming out into mainstream is not very supportive. Um, so what we want to make sure we can do in a lot of cases with, uh, with a temporary stay and things like ABA therapy or ABA Academy in this case, we can get our kids back into traditional learning in that mainstream classroom with minimal support. It's, and it's um, something often parents are worried about, are, are my kids still going to get the academics? We don't want them to get behind. Well, the fact is they're often already getting behind because their behaviors are stopping them from being able to function within the classroom successfully. But last year we found our kids just excelled. They, 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 because their behavior was being addressed through the ABA, their academics were just blossoming. Right. We read things like he has trouble in this subject. Um, he or she has trouble comprehending. And what we found is that they didn't have any trouble. What our teacher found is that they had no trouble comprehending. It was truly that this was a task that they were either told that they weren't good at um, or they, um, you know, they didn't have the support that they needed. And in fact, those academic barriers weren't there at all. It was really the behavioral barriers. And it, still looks like a traditional school. They have their reading, their language arts, their writing, their math, their social studies, their science, and art, music, gym. The lunch area looks like a regular lunch table you would find in a school. So it's really simulated it. They have a a school teacher there that's a certified teacher. So it's everything, but really it's ABA. And the kids really... Feel like they're just in school. And very quickly, you uh, limit the BCBAs are only responsible for about five or six children at a time. Is that correct? It's really unheard of. Um, our, our, we believe in 20% supervision. So our BCBAs that we have here, they only have sometimes even, you know, four to six clients only. And that really allows, so the behavior therapists basically do what the BCBA plan is. And not only does that help the child get better goals set, they have more attention with the behavior therapist. We audit things to make sure that the behavior therapist is doing exactly what the BCBA wrote. And they just have a lot more time with the kiddos, which I just love. It's all about the kids. We're talking with Dr. Tammy Peterson, the founder of the Oxford Recovery Center, here on Where the Healing Begins on WJR. If you'd like to know more about the Oxford Recovery Center, go to OxfordRecoveryCenter.com, 248-486-3636. And when we come back, we're going to learn more about Dr. Peterson's holistic approach to treating children in the ABA program. Stay with us here on WJR. (music) 
And we're back with Where the Healing Begins from the Oxford Recovery Center with the founder, Dr. Tammy Peterson. Dr. Peterson, from our previous interviews, I know your ABA program uh, have a holistic approach. So does ABA Academy follow the approach as well? Absolutely. Um, I love our little formula. We'll say diet plus hyperbarics plus good therapy equals autism recovery. And we really do believe that. We really do have a holistic approach. So we've talked before, we have a lunch program. We have a um, culinary chef that creates recipes for our kids, sends the recipes home with the kids and the parents so they have access to them. The therapists are working on the eating because some of these kids really do have an aversion to foods. And so our therapist within, whether they're in the ABA Academy or just our ABA program, can work with them on how to eat these new foods. The therapists are taught how to introduce new foods for them. And so the diet is really critical and we can work with the parents. How, you know, we all know if we eat too much food, we sometimes go, oh, I've got a brain fog. I don't feel good. So many of our kiddos come to us saying with the parents saying they'll eat pizza, French fries, and chicken nuggets. Well, I don't know about you, but if I ate that, I don't think I could perform as well as I would like to. And these children already are coming a little behind, and we need to give them every opportunity. And the parents need some help sometimes helping the kids be introduced to new foods. So our diet program that I hate the word diet, I guess it's their food choices, we want to expand. And they really do expand it. So now they're sitting at a table, the kids have similar foods with each other, and they're all learning how to eat their fresh vegetables, their fresh fruits, and um, our hidden veggies within chicken nuggets or whatever that really aren't chicken nuggets, but the kids think they are because they look like it. It really opens the world up for these families too. Um, I speak with a lot of families who say, you know, I, I would love to go out to dinner with my with my son, but they don't have the type of pizza or the type of chicken nuggets or it looks different. And a lot of times it is that, that it looks different. So what we get to work on is not just eating those new chicken nuggets with the, with the <laughs> hidden vegetables, but really just the skill of eating and trying new things, um, which is super important and, and opens the world up to things like birthday parties, things like um, restaurant, you know, the whole world is opening back up and, and the parents can can take advantage of that with their children as well. So we can deal with the sensory issue on top of just the behavioral issue of eating new foods. So we address the diet, the hyperbarics, absolutely. We have found amazing stuff with that. And I think we get to talk a little bit more about that even later. And um, good therapy. Um, I've actually heard some of our families come to us and say little kids are in speech, for instance, and literally sitting at a table trying to point to things. That's not naturally how we learn language. And I went over in the summer, we the same building as Camp ABA that we flipped to ABA Academy in the school year. And you will see our therapist outside teaching them to do very neurotypical activities, mm -hmm. um, speech, laying on their ground in the back, in the grass, doing language development. Yeah, there's, um, there's research supporting it. So they say that it's over, it's thousands of repetition. Um, you have to repeat something thousands of times um, in an instructional environment for something, to, for a child to learn something. Um, but if it's play-based, if you're doing it in the natural environment or you're doing it with play, it takes only 
um, a fraction of that. I think it's it's less than 200. Mm -hmm. So less than 200 times awesome. to hear a word in order to really create meaning around that word. And that is significantly less. We follow that. Or even the therapist going out with a group of kids, teach them how to play kickball. Mm -hmm. And that seems so simple. But if our kids can't go into gym and understand how to wait their turn or how to kick the ball, how to have the balance to do that. And often our kiddos are missing some of those skills. You know, it's funny. It seems so simple, but actually that environment for a practitioner is harder. And so I think a lot of, of the therapies that's out there, it's, it is easier to have a child walk into your, you know, that have them fit into that, that very narrow box, sit at the table, point to the objects that I have in front of you. Our therapists really go at the extra mile to make sure that they're creating things that are naturally responsive for children in environments that are meaningful for them. Even I saw the therapist working on, there was a whole line of kids the other day at camp working on a slip and slide. Yes. Now you would think it's very all, serious work. All kids would like a <laughs> slip and slide, but they want, they're starting to get invited to their neurotypical neighbor's birthday parties. And a mm -hmm. slip and slide is a common activity. Mm -hmm. And we actually get to teach it in a safe environment. Mm -hmm. It is the cutest thing ever watching the kids learn how to wait in line, yeah. how to do the slide on their belly, <laughs> how to stand up, walk back and get in line. Mm -hmm. I just, it brought me so much joy. I can't tell you how happy I was watching the kids do an activity that you know they can then go to a party and do it successfully. I think another thing that, that we do that's the reason, kind of like our, our secret to success, is the fact that we really look at what we call barriers to treatment. Mm. So we look at them, and so that might exist like if a child's walking down a hallway and they you know, flop to the ground, or mm. uh, we are trying to teach a word and the child isn't responding vocally. Those are all barriers. Um, and we have many different therapies here. So we, we have speech, occupational therapy, as you know, physical therapy, um, ABA therapy. And at other clinics, um, all the therapists, they noticed this barrier. But what we found here when we started um, when we started researching is that every modality attacks those, those barriers differently. So for instance, if a child flops to the ground, an occupational therapist would go to the ground as well and start providing input where an, a BCBA may not have the same approach. So what we do here that um, is every week we have what's called barriers meetings. We have multiple a week and we talk about just one child. And we say, you know, what are the barriers that are stopping this child from speaking or stopping this child from successfully walking safely down a hallway? And we decide whose scope of practice, who's going to take ownership over that barrier. So we may say, you know, and then all of us, we, we support uh, all the different modalities support uh, that one practitioner that's going to take ownership over that barrier. And we check in weekly. Um, to see how their progress is is coming along, and I think once we started all moving in the one in one direction, uh, we started to see more results than all doing our own thing. And we really do an intensity of therapy. Right. Um, there are children who get speech therapy five days a week. Many if, many children. If most of our if children, if you're not talking, giving it to them, especially in the schools, you know, the parents think they're getting these therapies in the school setting. They're really not. You know, I've been, like I said, 27 years as a public school special ed teacher. And it may be once a week or they're within a group. And if the child has behaviors, they really can't participate where we can give them daily therapies that they need it. If you're not talking, you need speech every day. Mm -hmm. 
And and if I could just take one second, it warms my heart to hear your example about the slip and slide, because as you talked about the child learning to maybe stand in line, wait your turn, learn how much fun it is to have the water splashing up in your face. All of those things are, all those uh, skills that they're learning are things that they're going to take out into the world to do many other things. Waiting your line, uh, waiting your turn in line at the store so that you can purchase something. So even though it seems like play, I know there's a lot of learning going on there. Dr. Tammy, why do children with autism need therapies like hyperbaric oxygen therapy? You know, we look at autism as a medical condition. We, we want to treat them medically, and hyperbarics actually addresses them medically. So things that we know, they have inflammation. All of the kids with autism have neuroinflammation, and most have gut inflammation. Reduce cerebral blood flow to the brain. And there's so many reasons. You know, the hyperbarics increases their stem cells. It detoxifies them. It pulls out the bad metals. It helps their immune system get better. And there's so much we can talk about a little more, hopefully in the next segment, because there's so much that we can do to help heal the child so they will do better. Great pre-promote there, Dr. Tammy. When we come back here on Where the Healing Begins on WJR, sponsored by the Oxford Recovery Center, we're going to talk a little bit more again about that hyperbaric oxygen therapy and how important it is for these children to move forward in their therapies. If you'd like to learn more about the Oxford Recovery Center, go to OxfordRecoveryCenter.com, 248-486-3636. We'll be right back. Now back to Where Healing Begins from Oxford Recovery Centers. Once again, here's Marie Osborne. We're back with Where the Healing Begins, sponsored by the Oxford Recovery Center. If you'd like more information, go to OxfordRecoveryCenter.com or call 248-486-3636. The founder is with us today, Dr. Tammy Peterson, along with Casey Diskin, a specialist at the Oxford Recovery Center. Dr. Uh, Tammy, for a few minutes in our last segment, we just didn't give it enough time, so we want to delve into it just for a few minutes about hyperbaric oxygen therapy and why kids with autism, why it's critical for them to get this kind of therapy. I know you mentioned a few things, but let's get a little deeper on that topic because I know how important you think it is for kids with autism. I had that same question that you just asked. Why is it important? Mm -hmm. My bigger question was, why does it work? When I first opened the clinic, that was probably my number one call. I have a child with autism. I've heard hyperbarics helps. It was in 2008. It wasn't that popular then. And I kept going, hmm, well, let's see what happens. And I was just blown away with how the kids started to improve. I like could not fathom that I would see that kind of change in the children. And it actually drew me to go do my PhD. And my whole research was looking at the child medically. What do we know about a child medically? And if you need to fall asleep at night, you can pull my dissertation up online mm-hmm. and, and read what I found. It was It's pretty long, but it, it really is a medical condition. And there's similarities between the kids. And I want to see, is there a marriage between hyperbarics and autism? And actually, the doctor on my dissertation board kept saying, you've got to be willing to say it's not going to work when you do the research. Like, I want to see what shows. And um, 
he said, you've made a believer in me. And he's about as skeptic as you can get. And um, Casey kind of had the same similar thing. When, when I hired her, and we've talked about this before, I was, she was telling me why she wanted to come work and build an ABA program. And I said, well, hyperbarics. And her response, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was not a believer in hyperbarics. I'm the first one to admit. Um, I just didn't really, really understand where its place would be in therapy for children with autism. Um, it's funny to think about now because I can't imagine therapy for children with autism without hyperbarics these days. Mm -hmm. um, it's because we can, we can do therapy, we can, you know, we can do therapy all day long, but if we're not addressing the medical, if we're not uh, addressing why a lot of these kids aren't feeling good, why, you know, a lot of these kids are showing a lot of inflammation in their gut. Uh, we're never really going to make the progress that we want to make. Uh, more than that, I saw it for myself. Um, so I'm a, you know, a believer in, um, in hyperbarics because I saw it happen. We did not have our ABA program. We didn't have any therapists here yet. And I had started working and I saw kids go into the hyperbaric chamber and start to start to gain language. And I said, wait a minute, <laughs> um, which prompted me when we did have the ABA program to have the BCBAs uh, look at the data. And what we were seeing is that children, specifically nonverbal children, would create or would um, start with spontaneous vocalization 55 to 68% faster than a child that didn't um, have hyperbarics. And so those numbers alone oh, yeah. show why we need this therapy for our kids. And so we've got a tremendous amount of data that we've collected. But when you think 68% faster, these are kids who are already behind. They can't afford to wait. And why well, I'm going to go back to what we say is we really need to look at the child's diet to make sure they're eating healthy to help reduce the inflammation, the hyperbarics, and good therapy. If you give a child a drug, it's a short-term fix. And I get parents are frustrated. They want some help. It's, it's not longevity. Drugs have side effects, and eventually they can't keep taking more and more. We're going, let's get to the root. Let's heal the child so they can function without those kind of um, crutches of the medication. So we can teach them how to eat healthy. We can heal them through hyperbarics and give them the therapy they need to get them in a traditional school with, without, yeah. We continue here on WJR, where the healing begins from the Oxford Recovery Center with Dr. Tammy Peterson, our special guest today. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Where the Healing Begins, brought to you by the Oxford Recovery Center. OxfordRecoveryCenter.com is where you can go to get more information. And you can dial 248-486-3636. The founder of Oxford Recovery Center, Dr. Tammy Peterson, uh, joining us today. And always a special guest here on the show, Casey Diskin, also joining us to talk about the ABA program at the Oxford Recovery Center, which is the Applied Behavioral Analysis Program. Uh, Dr. Tammy, this year you're also offering ABA Academy in Troy. So what's changed? So we were able to lease an additional 5,000 square feet so we could add the Academy also in Troy. 
it was so successful last year in Brighton. And we actually had parents driving their child from Troy to Brighton every day. And that's, that's an hour one way back home. So they were actually on the road for four hours a day. And we're like, we have to be able to offer this to our kids up in Troy also. So we're really excited to have it at both locations. And there'll be two separate special ed teachers that are certified at both locations. And I also understand you've done some renovation at the facility in Brighton. Yes, we just, we redid the um, the camp before we started camp this summer. We did a full renovation of the building. Um, and so it's, it's just beautiful. And so like we said, in the summer, it's Camp ABA. In the school year, it's ABA Academy. So we're able to offer both things there. We just kind of change everything around a little bit on the inside with proximity of tables and um, get it going. But so both of those have been remodeled and we're in the middle of a, another remodel where we're adding um, an additional 35,000 square feet to our Brighton location, to our main campus. That's right across the street from the ABA Academy. And we have a whole new autism center coming in. And so if you're driving down 23, um, you can actually see from the road the cranes and the structure going up. So that's super exciting to watch them, watch them progress. Your um, focus really at the center is to help prepare children, to ha- help prepare these special children to be successful in traditional school, correct? I mean, isn't that the bottom line about what you're doing in every effort that you put forth at the, at the Oxford Recovery Center? It, you know, it really is. It's, it's something that coming from frustration as a special ed teacher for so long, um, I saw so many kids that just didn't have the skills to be successful. And Casey being frustrated with the ABA world, not preparing them. You know, it's convenient to have your child do therapy at home. But I, I get the parents' convenience. But when you have therapy within your home, They're not exposed to playing kickball together, doing the slip and slide together, sitting, doing art together. Um, Everything we do at both, really all three locations, are really pushing towards that neurotypical environment. Can they be successful at a friend's birthday party? Um, We got a... We just got that yesterday. We have a young man in our program. He's been in our program for a year. Um, we helped him get a diagnosis. He did not have a uh, diagnosis for autism. Uh, we, his parents basically came to us and, and said, you know, what, what can we do to help? So we help them through that process. We do that with a lot of families. Uh, we got him in ABA therapy, speech therapy. He receives every day. Uh, he receives occupational and physical therapy as well. Um, and his mother just sent me a, a picture of him at his sister's birthday party. Um, and he did amazing. I mean, he came up to her and said, um, can I please have a cupcake? <laughs> and she said, I've been, she said, thankfully I had some, you know, gluten, dairy, free sure. cupcakes because she said I threw them at him. I was so happy. And um, it really is those moments. I mean, we, we rarely get a message about, um, you know, the more passive things we teach, which is why we focus on socially significant skills, uh, playing with our friends, you know, verbal behavior, all of those things that don't limit our children out in the world. In fact, they open the world for our children. Our joke is a parent never calls and says, yay, my child can um, sort shapes. It was, uh, it was, they identified, (laughs) 
that's a very low level skill is, is to identify shapes. But how many times a day do you identify an octagon versus how many times a day, you know, do you give somebody a high five, a fist bump, um, be able to go to a a child's party. I can't tell you, it it just, it beyond joy when you have these texts that say my, they got invited to a party. I can remember parents calling me going, I cannot believe my son is getting invited and their their kids just in his classroom. They want him there mm-hmm. is what they will say. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how that makes you feel as a parent mm-hmm. when you're so worried? Are they going to be able to be make it in life? And then we had this on the playground. We had a young man. The parent said a bunch, a group of kids went up to him and asked him to play. You know, and they said they they didn't know that he had autism. And and regardless of how you feel about that, you you could see that on that mother's face she saw that people saw her son for more than than him having autism. And that was so powerful. I got chills just saying it again. Oh, um, and that those are the skills we work on. It, that it, is a very powerful, powerful thing. Absolutely. Earlier, Dr. Tammy and, and Casey, you both talked about how uh, class uh, in, in a traditional setting, things like gym, lunch, art, those kinds of classes can, or uh, activities can sometimes present the greatest challenges to these students. And I was so surprised to hear that because most kids, you know, that's kind of when they can let loose a little bit and kind of enjoy themselves a little more. But for the kids who need that little bit of extra help, this can present all kinds of issues. But you're saying this is an opportunity for them to learn skills that they can take into their other areas of life. Yeah, can you imagine, like, if you are sound sensitive walking into a gym, it's loud, they want to grab their ears. Now you're telling them to stand next to a child and wait their turn and try to congratulate their friends. The lunchroom, even when I taught middle school, I used to always have my prep hour during lunch at fourth hour. So my kiddos would all come and sit in my classroom for lunch. And I actually would work with them on how to eat their food. So many of them just didn't have the social skills they needed and that sound and the smells and watching what other kids were doing. Many of the kids would physically say they were sick because they were so stressed trying to go into those environments. There are also a lot of times missed opportunities. Um, Those those times where it is a little bit kids can let loose. That's when friendships are built. That's when kids socialize with each other. That's when people invite you over to come over for, for a play date or for a sleepover. And a lot of times we see missed opportunities because our, um, our kids are more, uh, you know, off to this, either off to the side or they're just not connecting because of that social emotional piece. Um, so we are able to have recess at ABA Academy, for example, but recess is, is just as much an active part, um, is the classroom because we are prompting and contriving social skills. And this is insurance covered ABA. Mm-hmm. So this is ABA. And if we have so many children who come in and we can look and the parent knows they're saying, my gut is saying they have autism, but we're having difficulty getting the diagnosis. Casey's amazing at really helping the parents understand some of the questions they will ask. Um, like a simple question, is your child happy? Many times parents will just say yes. And then when you really talk to them, they go, well, they cry for, you know, an hour a day or they have a fit for this long. And the problem is, is it's a, it's a test based on a human, it's a human being, you know, this isn't, so saying something like he's happy, um, 
what parents really need to know is is to ask the question to the person we we send them to a facility to a licensed psychologist who will do the testing for them um but really know what questions to ask well how often would you can you know how many how many tantrums would you say this is how many tantrums or to speak in quantitative terms to the so that they can really get a diagnosis if a diagnosis is appropriate we're not trying to overdiagnose in any way we don't need to do that there's enough of these kiddos there but we want to make sure if they deserve these services, that these services are available to them. So we do help them navigate through their insurance, help them with sending them to a psychologist who can properly test them, who we know is qualified. And then parents are often afraid too. Well, what if I don't send my child to school? Am I going to have the school calling me? Are they going to say my child then can't go back? Are they going to say the services won't be available for them? In a parent has the opportunity and the option and the choice to say, we're going to send our child to an ABA academy, a school to help them prepare for the public school. And sometimes they do get pushback from the school. And thankfully, I was an advocate in schools for several years. So I do know um, how to help uh, parents that believe that this is the right, uh, right thing for their children. Dr. Tammy, you want to tell me a little bit about the golf outing you have coming up? So um, we run, um, we have an Oxford Kids Foundation, which is a 501c3 foundation, and it helps kids in the state of Michigan have access to therapies not covered by insurance, such as hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And we have a golf outing that's August 13th. You can find more about it at OxfordKidsFoundation.org. So it's OxfordKidsFoundation.org, and you click on events, and it will bring you to it. It's a virtual golf outing. So you can play against your favorite golfers. You can get your friends from college who you haven't seen in years. It's all virtual. It's only $50 to register, and 100% of this money, um, all the profits go right to the kids. Nobody, There's no um, paid staff. So all of the money goes right to these kids to get these therapies that they so desperately need, such as hyperbarics. It literally can change their life. So playing in golf, you can literally change a child's life. So OxfordKidsFoundation.org to learn more about that. Check out the videos. Oh, yeah. A lot of good videos. <laughs> and how do interested parents learn more or enroll their child within uh, with autism in the ABA Academy? How can they do that? So if they um, go to our website or give us a call, you will. they will then um, spend about an hour to sit down and one of our nurses is actually going to listen to them. We want to get a full history, understand who their child is. We can help them through the diagnosis process if they don't have that. But it's a no-fee meeting and um, Casey will be involved. And at that point, we can help the, start the ball rolling to get insurance coverage for the ABA or if they have ABA to transition to our, our academy. And the number to call would be 248-486-3636. Or if you'd like to maybe just take a look at the website, that's OxfordRecoveryCenter.com. Dr. Tammy Peterson and Casey Diskin, always a pleasure to talk with you. I love your passion for your children. Um, it's infectious. And thank you so much for sharing so many of these great ideas with our family of listeners here at WJR this month. Thank you. Thank you. We're healing begins has been presented by Oxford Recovery Centers.